Amen. We'll be in 2 Thessalonians for most of this message. We might jump back into 1 Thessalonians, but that's not too far for you. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1 is where we'll start. And again, as we think about this Thanksgiving holiday, like I said earlier, it should just move us to thank our God. If we're not thanking God every single day, we have, an, we have a special holiday here in the United States where we give thanks. And as we think about giving thanks and what it means to give thanks, I was thinking about it this week as I was preparing for this message. And uh, we give thanks to, to the giver of, of something, of the gift, right? So we're giving thanks in return to the person that has given us something. And I got to thinking about that, and I'm like, is there any potential reason why I would give thanks to somebody that didn't do anything? And I was just like, no, it's, a, it's in return for something. So we think about thanksgiving, and we think about who we can give thanks to. We can give thanks to one another for the blessings that we are to one another, for different things that we give to one another. But ultimately, I think what we'll see here in this passage is that Paul was giving thanks to God. And uh, even if you just look back a chapter to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Bible tells us in verse 18, in everything give thanks. That's in everything. Good or bad. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So in in this idea of thanksgiving, of giving of thanks... Um, I was I was kind of drawn to a couple different past a uh, couple different verses here in Second Thessalonians, and the first one is in chapter one, verse three, where Paul is writing to the Thessalonians, and he says, "We are bound to thank God always for you. We are bound to thank God." And I got to looking up. I wanted to, I wanted to really understand what it meant to be bound to, thanks, to thanksgiving. And the, in the Greek, this word, this phrase, we are bound, it, it really is, it's used other times where he just says we ought. We ought to do this. We should do this. There's an obligation. There's some responsibility for us to give thanks. And the way it's translated here, we are bound. We have a binding obligation to give thanks to God always for these people that he administered to. And I think it's worth, worthwhile to take a, a, few, a few moments here to think about the Thessalonians at this time. The Thessalonians were reached by Paul and his missionary team. And if you remember, the Thessalonians were a bunch where some believed, but some didn't. And some didn't in a violent way where they were chasing them out of Thessalonica into Berea and into other towns. They get to Berea, and the Thessalonians are pursuing them to the next town. So, the, so imagine Paul being chased out of town, but the Christians that believed, staying in Thessalonica, staying in their hometown, imagine the persecution that they faced. The Thessalonians that remained there that didn't believe in Christ were not happy about Paul preaching Christ. And they were not happy about Jews that were converted, Gentiles that were being converted. And they were going through persecution. And we'll see that in this, in this message that Paul is, 
in, is throughout this chapter, Paul is specifically coming to this Thessalonians, knowing their state, knowing where they're at, and he's, being, and he's letting them know the thanks to God that he has for them. So as we, as we kind of have that introduction, let's pray, and I pray that we will, we will learn a little bit about what it means to be bound, to have this obligation to be thankful to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for all that you've given us here and our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for all the spiritual blessings that you've bestowed upon us. Father, I pray that you would move us to understand our obligation, this binding moral responsibility that we have to give thanks to our God and to our creator. Father, thank you for salvation. Thank you for even today, the day of life that we've been given. Help us not to be forgetful of all the things that you've given us. Father, I pray that you would speak to us even now by your spirit, through your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are bound to be thankful. And Paul says, with Silvanus and Timotheus, we are bound to be thankful. For what? He says, for you, brethren. We're bound to be thankful for you, brethren. And I love that because I think oftentimes growing up, even, even to this day, I think of Thanksgiving and we think about all the things that, all the things, right? All the things that God has given us. We're thankful for our car. We're thankful for our clothing. We're thankful for our church building. We're thankful that we have warm heat in here. We're thankful for all these things, right? But Paul says we're thankful for you. We're thankful for people. And I'm, I was just challenged to be, to be more thankful for people when I read that. I need to be more thankful to God for the people that God has put into my life. For all the people that invested in me, for the people that, I, that we worship with, the people that we work with, on the, whether that's on the bus and ministry, um, even, even at work. Are we thankful for people? Are we thankful for the conversations that we get to have with people? Are we thankful for the, for the times that we get to struggle and work and, and, and have with people? Because if we think about it, these things, they come and go, but people, we can spend an eternity with people. As the people around us, as brothers and sisters in Christ, I'll see you on the other side. All these other things will be gone. That's not to say we ought not to be thankful for all those things, but to be thankful for the people that we can reach for Jesus Christ, for our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. He says, we are thankful for you, brethren, for the people that were his brothers and sisters that had trusted in Christ. He was thankful. He says, as it is meet, he continues on in why he's thankful. He says, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. He was thankful that the people that he had ministered to, the people that he had, he had come to know and had gathered together as a church at Thessalonica, that their faith was growing exceedingly. What a thing to be thankful for. Because as I was thinking about this, Paul could have said, Thank you to the people for being faithful. 
but he was thanking God that they were growing in faith. And to me, that I, I was trying to think of this logically, and I was saying, you know what? That means God is the one that's growing our faith. Would you agree? Yes, I would agree. I got to thinking about this. I'm like, what is faith? Faith is grown by God. Faith is given to us by God. And he was thankful to God that these people were growing in faith exceedingly. What a thing to be thankful for. To know that our brothers and sisters are growing in Jesus Christ. You see, as he's, as he's, as he's giving thanks to God for these things, he's looking up. He's looking up at God and thanking God for spiritual things. Which was a challenge to me, which was a conviction to me. Because again, I, I get to Thanksgiving and I get, think about all the things. But he's thanking God for growing faith. For growing faith in people. And if there's anything that we should be praying for is that our brothers and sisters should be growing in faith. And that God would be moving in them. That God would be doing a spiritual work in people to grow their faith. Even today, we should be asking that. And then when we see it, we should be moved to thanksgiving. Because it's more important than the things that we get to see people growing in their understanding of Jesus Christ, to be growing in their walk with Jesus Christ, to be learning more about what the Bible has for them and, and what, the, what the calling of God on their life is. He says, I'm thankful. I am bound to be thankful for this faith that was growing exceedingly. Not only that, he says, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. He was bound to be thankful that they were loving one another. This church was loving one another. Without God, we don't love one another. Without God, we don't grow in faith. So he's pointing to God and saying, God, you are doing these things. You are growing faith. You are, you are moving in these people so that they are loving one another. What is our, nat what is our natural take on things? We... We, we tend to not be faithful. We tend to doubt. We tend to forget. We tend to not trust. We tend away from faith. We tend, away, we tend to go away from love. We segregate. We backbite. We murmur. We complain about one another. But he says the Thessalonians were loving one another. The love that they had, each and every one of them, towards one another. God was doing that. God was doing that. A special work of God that he was doing. And, and Paul says, we're thankful. We're bound to be thankful to God for these things that only God can do. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing thing when we think about faith and love. They're two core things that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to believe in our Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he can do for us. We are supposed to believe. We are called to believe and have faith. Yet so often we have so little faith. God said, Jesus himself said, if we, if we would just have the faith of a mustard seed, we could move mountains. We just need a little bit of faith to do what God calls us to do. 
God, God has so much for us. He's granted so much to us by his Holy Spirit to believe and to trust and to give and to love one another. Um, we just went through a study on Hebrews our pastor gave. We went, we went faithfully through Hebrews and looked at all the faithful that came before us. Whether they were faithful in tribulations, they were faithful in great victories. And the one thing that we learned in common was that they were all faulty humans, just like all of us. But they believed in an enormous and big God. And they had faith to do things that we, we can't believe. They were able to do, why? Through faith. They were able to do miraculous things through faith. We are bound to thank God for these, for these moments of faith, for, these, for faith growing in anybody, in any, any of these miracles that are happening by faith. In Paul, in Silvanus, in Timothy, they say, we thank you. We're bound to be thankful. We have an obligation to be thankful. And so do we. Verse number four, it says, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. So Paul's thanking these people that are, that God is seeing these amazing works happen in them through faith and through love. And he says, you're doing it despite persecutions and tribulations. God is doing this miraculous work, not in great times, not in times where everything's just going great and you guys are just turned, everybody in Thessalonica is just believing in you and just trusting in you. And no, that's not what it was. As I mentioned, what was happening in Thessalonica was they were being persecuted by the religious leaders, by the people that were chasing Paul and, and, and his missionary crew out of town. Jason and his family was a particular was named in Acts as man, they were they were being brought to charges for their faith. And he says, I'm bound to be thankful. Why? Because God is doing these miraculous works of faith and of love, and you're doing it all in patience and in faith and endurance against real tribulations and against real persecutions. That was a challenge to me as well. To know that God can still work, and he works especially in times of persecutions and tribulations. To grow our faith, and to, and, to, and to move us to love one another. What a thanksgiving. As, as we continue through chapter one, what Paul starts to give them some encouragement to this, to, this, um, to this church at Thessalonica. He's starting to explain to them and give them some encouragement about what God wants to do. He explains to them in verse number five that their persecutions and tribulations that they are enduring, he says, which is a manifest, manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer seeing it as a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us 
when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Now, as he's writing to this church at Thessalonica, he's thanking them for these things, but he's giving them some encouragement that there's going to be vengeance. That Jesus Christ, the one that you're believing on, that you're trusting in, he's coming back. And as we'll see through the next couple chapters, we'll see that as Paul and this, and this missionary team are thinking back to what God has done in these people, he, he's encouraging them to continue on. He's, he's encouraging them to look forward. He's saying, thank you for all that God is doing in you and has done in you. But then he points forward and he says, Jesus is coming back. So keep on. Jesus is coming back. So don't lose hope. Jesus is coming back. So don't lose your faith. Jesus is coming back. So don't stop loving one another. You understand? That's what he's doing. He's saying Jesus is coming back to take vengeance on, on those that are against you. Those that don't love God. Those that um, are against the gospel. That do not obey. And he's saying this to the church. But I think it's very important for those that are outside of the family of God. That do not know Jesus Christ as their savior to take this as a warning. As a Christian, you read this and you say, yeah, Jesus is coming back and he's going to take vengeance on all those that did not believe. That's a sad thing that should move us to get to get going on the Great Commission to tell people about Jesus Christ. But as someone who has not obeyed the gospel, I would have to look at verse number eight and say, Jesus is coming back with the with the mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse nine, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. That should make anyone tremble, even Christians. But it's a challenge and a charge and it's a reminder that if we do not obey the gospel of, our, of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a punishment. There is an end. And it is important that we know where we stand before God the Creator. It is important that we know who God is that created all this. It is important that we know who Jesus Christ is and what the gospel is. That Jesus Christ came to this earth as the very Son of God. He lived a perfect life and he died for all the world. So that whosoever would believe on him would be saved. He sacrificed his entire life. He gave up his very blood on a cross. Naked and ashamed. Why? For me, for you, for the entire world. As Christians, that's the greatest story ever told. 
For those that have never heard that before, man, you need to believe on that. Today's the day of salvation. Because he says in verse number 10, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day, he says, wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a great reunion promised for all those that believed. For these Thessalonians, man, they were, they were being persecuted. They were probably being ripped and taken away from their family. Some of them were probably getting killed for what they believed. And Paul's pointing them to this day when Jesus is going to come back and he's going to gather the saints together again. He was bound to be thankful. He continues on in chapter uh, chapter 2 about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He talks about how there's going to be this falling away. He talks about some of the different circumstances that are going to be coming um, as this time approaches where Jesus comes back. And he warns them to be careful. But I want to jump down to verse number 13 here. Because after he goes through this and he continues on and and how Jesus is going to return and how people are going to fall away first, but Jesus is going to reign. He says in verse 13, But we again are bound to give thanks always to God for you. He comes back to his original point that he started with. But we are bound again to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. He's reminding them of his obligation again to be thankful. Why? He gives a different reason this time. Because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. He's thank he goes back. Not just for, for, for them growing in faith or loving one another, he goes back to the very beginning and he says, I'm thankful that you got saved. <laughs> I'm thankful that you were one of the ones that believed, that trusted in God. How thankful we should be to God for, for anybody that comes to, to, comes to know Jesus Christ. These are very simple things to be thankful for, but I think it's important that we put these first and foremost above a lot of these other things that we have. Thankful, for, thankful that we're saved. Thankful that someone told us the gospel. Thankful that someone reached out to us and had the courage to do what they were called to do by giving us the gospel. Thankful that the Holy Spirit convicted us of our sin and that we believed. Because, again, you think about what's going to happen to those that have rejected. Those that did not obey. That stark contrast between the resurrection that we have should move us to tears and say, thank you, God, for, for all that you're going to do, for all that you have coming for us, for heaven, for, for a resurrection, for life, for a new life in Christ that we get to have today. 
But then we also should be sobered and thankful that we are not going to face that hellfire. But there are some that will. And that is our encouragement to continue on. To continue on and continue on believing and trusting and teaching and loving one another. In verse 15 of chapter 2, he says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Stand fast. Don't back down. Don't give up. Keep the faith. He says, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Again, we see he's thankful to God for their salvation. And then he points them to keep on going, continue, stand fast. Yes, we're thankful that your faith is growing exceedingly, but now we want you to keep on going. Don't lose hope. Stand fast. Keep enduring. Keep loving each other. Hold on to the things that I have taught you. And he gives them this comfort of what Jesus Christ has given us in himself. He says he's given us everlasting consolation. Everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. He gives us comfort in our hearts and he establishes us in every good work, good word and work. That's our challenge as Christians to continue on, to keep pushing forward in all these good things that God has given to us. We're thankful for the faith. We're thankful for the growing faith. We're thankful for for the love that he's given us to one another. But if all we're doing is giving thanks for what he's done, We're missing out. We have to keep going. Because again, as we talked about thanksgiving, I said when we give thanks, we're we're giving thanks to God or to somebody for what they've given us. Right? But what are you doing with what God has given you? Do you understand? As we're thankful for what God has given to us, We must receive the gifts that God has given to us and do what we've been called to do with them. And that's where Paul goes in chapter 3. Chapters 1 and 2 is really just saying, hey, thanks, thanks everybody. Thank you for, for, thanks, thanks to God for what God has done with you. He's given you these spiritual gifts. He's given you faith. He's given you love. He's given you consolation. He's given you hope. He's given you all these things, Christians. Now, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Right? Thanksgiving is an amazing time. We give these thanks. Thank you, God, for all the good things that you've given us. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for the faith. Thank you for the opportunity to be a channel of your love towards one another. If you stop there, are you really thankful? If all you do is give thanks and you're not giving back, 
Are you really giving thanks? Are you really thankful? I was challenged. I was challenged because as Paul says, he has this, he has this uh, binding obligation that he feels upon himself to give thanks. But he also has a binding obligation on him to continue preaching and to continue loving and to continue challenging these people to do more than just give thanks. And that's what we ought to do this Thanksgiving and every day of our lives. Be more than thankful. Give. Be more than thankful. Be more than a giver of thanks. Give thanks and then give that to somebody else. Yes, we thank God for our faith, but are we sharing our faith? Yes, we thank God for his love channeled to us, but are we giving it to others? We thank God for the hope that he's given us. But are we somebody else's hope channeled through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? That is the call. He says, stand fast. He says, God has given you all these other things. And then in chapter 3, he gives us some some challenges as well. Chapter 3 says, finally, brethren, pray for us. We thank you, but we need some help as well. Pray for us here. And he prays for, for he's at, he asks, he asks for, for prayer in these couple different areas. The first one, pray for us in verse one, that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. He's saying the word that we gave to you in Thessalonica, that we gave in Berea when the Thessalonians came chasing after us, and then we continued on giving it and giving it and giving it everywhere that we went. He's saying, pray for us that this word would continue to go forth. The word doesn't go forth on its own. God has called us as Christians to send the word forth. And they say, pray for us that we would be able to get this word out. Just as it was, just as it was received and glorified for you, we pray for us that it would continue on. Again, thank you for receiving the word, but pray for us that the word would continue on. Amen? And he says, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. There's a lot of unreasonable and wicked men. And he's saying, pray that we would be delivered from them. Thessalonians, again, they knew much about unreasonable and wicked men that rejected the gospel, that wanted to kill those that were preaching and proclaiming the gospel, that didn't like what they had to say. Paul wasn't coming in forcing anybody to believe the gospel with knives and and weapons. He was just speaking the word of God, speaking truth. But unreasonable and wicked men, they don't like the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. Unreasonable and wicked men will reject the truth and they will come come after you with violence. And he said, pray for us that we would be delivered, that we would be able to get away from those unreasonable and wicked men that would want to kill us for speaking and preaching the truth and that we would be able to continue on. Preaching the word. Because he says in the end of verse 2 of chapter 3, For all men have not faith. 
not everybody's going to believe the word of Jesus Christ. It's a sad thing. It's a terribly sad thing. But our charge is to give the gospel. Some will believe, some will not. Verse 3 says, But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. Continue on, Christians. Continue on doing the things that you're commanded to do. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't just be thankful for the things that God has given us. He says, do the things that we've been commanded to do. Do them. Do them and continue to do them. And the Lord, verse 5, chapter 3, and the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Look forward to Jesus Christ coming back for us. Continue on. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. Now this is, this is a hard passage here because... It is a challenge to us as Christians that we have hope in one another, that we love one another. But what Paul is teaching here as Christians, as he's being thankful to God for all, this good, all these good things, he's charging us to continue on. He tells us that in this walk as Christians, we will have to separate ourselves from the disorderly and the disobedient. For, from the disorderly and from the disobedient. He, start, he starts to communicate about the example that he presented of working hard, of being diligent, being faithful. And he's saying, these are the things that we did. But he says, um, in verse number, let me go down. In verse number 10, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any should not work, neither should he eat. Verse 11, for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Now this cuts against our, our natural inclination to want to, you know, have hope in people and, and not, not cast anybody aside. And he says, we're not here to, to cast them aside per se. But he does say to note them. And he does say to separate ourselves from them as brethren. Not as castaways, not as rejects, but as brethren. And he does say that he may, in verse, end of verse number 14, that he may be ashamed. Now, in today's day and age, we don't like to offend people. We don't like to shame people. We, we, 
We don't like to be shamed ourselves, and we don't like to feel that offense um, because of something that we did and someone call us out on it. As adults, that makes us feel really bad inside. And as kids, it makes, makes kids feel bad as well. When you, when you get in trouble, when you get caught, and someone calls you on it and says, hey, you're wrong. You're not, you're not doing what you ought to do here. There's a natural inclination to, to, to resist that. But that is sin. To resist the, the, the shame that we ought to have for sin is another sin. So as, we, as, God, as, as Paul is being thankful to these people, he's telling them to continue on. And as we continue on, we have to be aware that there's some among us that are disorderly and disobedient. And those people should be called out for what it is. We should not bypass sin. We should not let sin go. We should not let disobedience go. We should not let disorderliness go. We should not allow people that aren't working the work that they've been called to do to just say, oh, you know, we'll just, we'll just let that by. We'll not, say, we'll not say anything so that we don't want it. We don't want to offend them. We don't want to shame them. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that as if God is going to do this special work, if God is, continue, is going to continue to grow our faith exceedingly and, and, and is going to continue um, to allow us to love one another as we're called to love one another, sometimes we have to say, hey, brother, you're not doing this quite right. Hey, sister, this, this, is, this is not right. Because that is love. It is not love to allow a brother and sister to continue in sin. It is not love to allow my, my children to continue in sin and continue in disobedience. That is neglect. It is better for me to call it out and, and have them be ashamed and maybe they don't, maybe there is some tension with me for, for a moment, but it is better for that to happen and for, the, for a separation for a time and for a, a, for a shaming for a time so that the Spirit of God can work in that person to be changed. To continue on thinking that everything's going to go okay, it's not going to be okay. Because inside, you know that it's wrong, so it's going to cause bitterness within you. It's going it's to cause, cause something within you that you haven't said. It's going to be inside of you knowing that it's wrong, and you, didn't, you don't quite want to offend them or shame them, so that's going to stir up in yourself. So you're going to be hurt, and that person's going to hurt because they were never checked and they were never brought to, to what was right. So it causes more disorder within the church. So Paul's writing to the Thessalonians and, and admonishing them and, and giving them all this encouragement. But at the same time, he says, I've heard, I've also heard that there's some disorderly among you. Right? So as we're, as, as th this whole chapter was just moving me to be, to be thankful for one another, to be thankful for what all God has done to, 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 to bring us all to faith, to help us to grow in faith, the love that we have for one another. And then it was a challenge for me to continue on and to keep pressing on, to be, to be using the gifts that God has given me, to continue pressing on. And then finally in chapter 3, it was a reminder, as I'm thankful to God for all these great things, there's also some work to be done. Not everything's you know, 
hunky-dory. There are some things that still need correction. In Thessalonica, just as here it is at Straight Gate, just as it is in every church. We're thankful to God for our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we all know, we all know we need some help. We all know we need encouragement, and that's part of loving one another. To be willing to say, hey, you know what? Thank you for telling me that, brother. Thank you for watching out for me. Thank you for seeing something that I was doing wrong and letting me know. Now, we don't have to go around bashing each other on the head, saying, hey, why are you doing this? But you can come to somebody in grace and truth, just like Jesus Christ did. If you see something, if you see something that I'm doing, see something that some of my kids are doing, please let me know. That should be our spirit. That should be our spirit to love, because at the end of the day, we all know, right, that there's some, there's some disobedience in my life. There's some disorderliness in my life. And that's what God is saying through Paul here to the Thessalonians. He says, thank you. Thank you, God, for all these great things. Continue on in doing all these great things. Continue on in using the gifts that God has given you to do more good. And then he says at the end, but also, let's be careful. Let's watch out. Let's watch out for one another. Let's be sure to make sure we're all on the same page here, doing what God has called us to do. And if any man not obey, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. We love one another. We're not, we're not trying to cause division and, and, and have enemies with one another. We're just trying to point people to Jesus Christ. We admonish each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And then in the benediction, he says, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Holy Spirit is amazing. The way that he crafted this letter through Paul. Peace is what he says to the church. Peace. Of all this, the thanksgiving, the continuing on, the disorderliness, he says, now the peace, now the Lord of peace himself give you peace. That's what he wants to see our church doing. Living in peace, brothers and sisters in Christ, being thankful to God, understanding our obligation to be thankful, continuing on in the things that we, he has given us and correcting the things that are wrong in our lives. We do that with peace. And the Lord be with us all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Paul in this letter to the Thessalonians and, and what he is trying to do to this church that was facing persecutions and tribulations. And thank you for the work that you did in the lives of these people in Thessalonica, that their faith was growing exceedingly. Father, I pray that you would be doing a work in our church and in our lives, that our faith would be growing exceedingly. I pray for our church that the love that we have towards one another would be abounding. Father, these are works that only you can do. And Father, I pray that you would help us not to take our faith and the love that you give to us for granted. But I pray that you would allow us to use it as a channel for your work, for the good works of Jesus Christ to continue on in and through our church amongst the brethren and in our community here in Minneapolis, 
that we would be channels of your grace and of your faith and of your love. Thank you for the hope that you've given us. Thank you for the peace that you've given us. Father, help us to be truly thankful by sharing it with others, by continuing on in the faith that we've been called to. And Father, I pray finally as Paul admonished the Thessalonians to not just be thankful, not just to continue, but also to make things right that are wrong. Father, I pray that you would help us to search our hearts for disobedience, for disorderliness, that we would get it right with God. And Father, I pray that you would help us to have a tender and soft spirit towards anyone that would seek to help us in grace and truth, that would seek to um, point out something that they may have seen. Help us to be soft and receptive to what God is teaching us and maybe revealing to somebody else. Father, I pray that you would help us to truly search our hearts this Thanksgiving time to, to reveal in us where we really are, not, not the facade, not what we think we are, not what our friends think we are, but Father, help us and help us to know what you see, what you know about us that we could be transformed into your image, that we would truly be thankful by living a life for Jesus Christ, and that we would be correcting the things that are wrong in our life. Father, again, we thank you for this message. We thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray that if there's someone here that does not know you as Savior, that would be on the, the other side of Jesus returning and him and his flaming fire and in vengeance, and that would be subject to an everlasting punishment. Father, I pray that they would trust Christ, that, they would, that, they, that the Spirit of God would be speaking to them and revealing to them their need of Jesus Christ and of a Savior, that they could be partakers of the family of God and be a part of the family of God. Father, I pray that you would give us a special week. I pray that you would help us to give us a a good afternoon, bring us together again this, this evening. Father, I pray that you would help us to just take this truth to heart and have faith and love one another and be, and be um, just, just looking out for one another in love and in grace. And Father, I pray that you would just seal us in your peace and your love. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.